Thanks for joining us on After Dark with Rob and Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or you can head on over to the website americaoutloud.com and click the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. While you're there, please check out all the articles and podcasts which are updated daily so when you can make it your one-stop shop for all your news needs. And please share those articles and podcasts on social media. We appreciate that a great deal. We face the same censorship that so many of you face. So when you share the articles and podcasts on social media, it really does help us out a great deal. Got a great show lined up tonight. Last night we had on Pasture Green, and it was a fantastic show. We had a lot to talk about with him. Uh, We hope to have him on again soon. Tonight, we're going to have on Jack Guerrero's running for treasure in the state of California. So uh, we're definitely going to have a lot to talk about with him. Uh, You look at this economy that we've got in this country right now with Joe Biden and his reckless spending. Uh, Of course, they still have not answered how they plan on paying for all this student debt, uh, student loan debt relief. They still won't admit how much it's actually going to cost. Some of the reports are that it's going to be uh, north of $500 billion. So uh, it's just Joe Biden and the Democrats keep spending, spending, spending. And uh, I live in Illinois, so I can relate to that all too well. Uh, Mr. Guerrero's in California, so I'm sure uh, there's a lot to talk about there as well. Uh, Rob, how are you doing tonight? Andrew, I'm doing great. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Like you said, I'm glad that we have Jack Guerrero coming on tonight also, who's running for the treasurer in California. And I definitely want him to talk to us a little bit about that. But uh, we did have a great show last night with Pastor Green, William Green. And I'm looking forward to having this show, another great show tonight. Now, as you mentioned, the state of affairs with our economy is horrible. The Democrats would have you to believe, and the Biden White House, that everything is just peachy king. They've redefined inflation. They've redefined recession. They've redefined the definition of a woman. They've redefined basically everything that what we knew it to be is not to be, which is extremely dangerous. We're definitely in the throes of socialism. And I can't fathom as to how people aren't speaking out and running to the polls to support conservative candidates. But yet and still here we are. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, I don't know. But Jack is on and he's going to talk to us about his run as well as talk to us about the state of affairs in California. And from what I'm looking at, it's no better than New York City where I am because we know that our governor is just as backwards, woke, and out there, just like Gavin Newsom, who thinks, folks, that he should run for the presidency. Can you believe it? And I still can't believe, Andrew, that they did not vote to recall him. Or did they? And someone was playing with the numbers to make it seem as if though they did not get enough signatures to recall him. I mean, I would think that everyone in the state would say, no way, we've had it with this guy. No more. Homelessness is all over. Look at the crack and all the drugs. It's the crime. No, we don't want him anymore. But yet still, they say that they fell shy some votes and that some votes they can't count because they didn't write them the right way. They didn't sign it the right way. Now, we all know this is part of the Democrats' playbook. We all know it. 
But we have got to start pushing back. When I say we, the GOP, because sometimes, I'm sorry, Andrew, but the GOP, they act like their deer is caught in headlights. Like, oh, what do we do? Oh, I don't know. I don't want to say anything. So without further ado, let's bring on our guest tonight, Jack. He's going to tell us a little bit about himself, why he's running, and then we're going to get down to the nitty gritty as to what the heck is happening in California. Jack, how are you tonight, this Wednesday night? Very good. Thanks, guys. This is wonderful to be on. It's a real pleasure, and I'm excited to join this call. So, Jack, tell me, why are you? Why did you decide to run? I think you've run before. Why yeah. now? What do you hope to accomplish? What do you see that's different this time around? You know, we've got a California legislature that has been running amok for some time. The situation from an economic standpoint and a budgetary perspective is the worst I have ever seen. And I think the time has come for an independent watchdog uh, to serve as a check and balance on a government that is out of control. And I think the conditions are better in 2022 in terms of electability than they were at any prior time. I've got a number of uh, polls that I'd like to share with you from Wall Street Journal and other outlets that talk about how tired people are of conditions that we find ourselves in within California. And historically, uh, groups that have not associated with the Republican Party are now coming around and are positioned uh, to vote in a much more balanced way going into November. And I'm very encouraged by that. Uh, but at the same time, I'm outraged uh, with the direction of this state. Uh, and it transcends economics. Of course, economics is uh, what is uh, very germane to my particular race because I'm running for treasurer and I can talk a lot about some of the issues that uh, pertain to uh, the budget crisis and economic conditions, but it transcends that, as you know. We've got uh, public safety issues that are completely out of control. Homelessness uh, across uh, the state is the worst that it has ever been. Uh, we've got a woke left agenda that is so extreme, so out of control that even my Democratic Party constituents, uh, which account for 90% of my city, by the way, where I serve on the city council, uh, never signed on to this kind of woke agenda. And so I think uh, we now have an alignment of the stars, if you will, that are pointing towards reform uh, in a state that so desperately needs it. Definitely. Because you look around you, like you said, and you see malfeasance, you see the mismanagement of funds all around you. Why is it, Jack? that the people in California, it seems as if they don't see or hear what you're saying and see, and what I see here in New York, that California is in trouble. It's time for new management. Do, do they see it? What's happening? That's right. I mean, historically, uh, I think uh, the woke left establishment and the media, which has been complicit in promoting that agenda, have done a really good job of brainwashing a lot of people up and down the state over the years. Uh, but like I tell you, I think we're reaching a point of inflection. If you look at San Francisco, which is kind of the cultural epicenter of the woke left, the people of that community have recalled their entire school board uh, because education is a big part of the woke agenda. It's the indoctrination of our children. And parents have risen and decided to say, we need 
a new direction in left-wing San Francisco, that same group of constituents has also recalled their corrupt district attorney. And I think that uh, people throughout the state uh, are similarly uh, positioned uh, to look for reform. Let me talk a little bit about the Hispanic community because uh, that represents about 40% of the population, 30% of the voters. And in my city, uh, where I have served as mayor and where I sit on the city council, uh, it uh, represents about 98% of the population of my city is Hispanic. Let me tell you what Wall Street Journal says about Hispanics. Uh, according to their latest poll, which is about a month old, Hispanics across the country are positioned to vote 37% for Republicans and 37% for Democrats in the congressional midterm election in November. This is staggering result from a poll because it's the first time that Wall Street Journal is pointing to a balanced demographic of this magnitude. And I think it's going to play out in California as well. Uh, like I mentioned at the outset, and like you obviously observe from your vantage point, uh, homelessness and crime and taxation, uh, even the uh, nefarious gas tax, which uh, the left-wing uh, establishment really promotes, um, that is a regressive tax that goes after working people the most uh, because it's working people that have a disproportionately higher uh, percentage of their disposable income uh, going to products that are taxed in this kind of way. And so I think Hispanics, I think African-Americans and Asian-Americans and working people, demographics that historically have not voted Republican are now waking up. I can really mm -hmm. feel it. And we see it in places like San Francisco and Los Angeles, uh, where people are opening up to a new direction for the state. And uh, boy, we do need it, as you, as you know, from your vantage point. And the issues, like I said, they transcend economics. I'd like to talk about economics and finance and taxes, and hopefully we'll get to some of those topics uh, here in a bit. Uh, but like I said, the, the cultural uh, issues uh, really are across the board. And I, I think that people are sick and tired. And I have decided that there's a calling for me uh, to step forward and represent the people in this uh, critical stage in the state's history. Yeah, Jack, you mentioned that 90% of um, your district is currently Democrat, but there is hope people are waking up, like you mentioned, in uh, San Francisco. But uh, what about the GOP and the Republican Party? Are they uh, offering up uh, support in your district uh, for your race or any of the other races um, in your district, uh, since it is such a predominantly Democrat community? Uh, I, I can't really point to any concrete examples of the Demo excuse me of the Republican Party establishment uh, actually coming through in any substantial way. I don't think it's personal. I think uh, a lot of the statewide candidates, unfortunately, are not uh, really benefiting in any direct way uh, from the Republican Party of California. Uh, some of it could be a prioritization, perhaps, of some congressional races over uh, statewide races. But when I entered this endeavor, I knew this was a movement of the people at the end of the day. Uh, I don't report to the uh, Republican Party establishment. I am a conservative. I'm a Christian. Uh, I support common sense policies. And I'm coalescing around a movement of people across the state, uh, across political parties that want reform, uh, that are sick and tired of a woke agenda and a failed economic policy uh, set of prescriptions coming out of Sacramento. And that's the coalition I stand for. In fact, somebody recently heard me speak at an event and they described me as a nice version of Donald Trump, which I actually took 
uh, as complimentary. But uh, the point is that I'm I'm uh, more of a populist than I am uh, an establishment figure. And so to me, this is a movement of the people. I want change for the people of California. I am a conservative, a principled conservative with Christian roots, uh, a constitutionalist uh, at the uh, at top of my agenda politically. Uh, and what I care about is freedom and a government that is responsive to the needs of the people. Uh, and I think what the people are clamoring for is a society that is free from uh, crime and homelessness and uh, uh, corrupt government uh, that taxes people to death. Uh, I mean, livelihoods have really been turned upside down over the years, uh, attributed to overregulation and excessive taxation. And this needs to stop. And I think we're reaching a point of inflection. I think it was Margaret Thatcher who said that socialism only works until you start to run out of, run out of other people's money. And I think we're reaching a similar point of inflection in California. We're losing so many people to more favorable states like Texas, Nevada, Arizona that have uh, better uh, income tax regimes. Uh, and this is a, a phenomenon in California. We have a net out migration of uh, people and businesses. And this is happening up and down the state. And I think it's the start of a wake-up call and of a movement of reform that I can feel uh, from my vantage point in Los Angeles County. We need this wake-up point. We need for people to wake up. And like you said, this feels like this is the time. We have had so many Hispanics to come on our show to say that they feel that a change is coming and that the Democrats have far too long taken their votes for granted and pushing things down their throats that they just don't agree with. They agree with the family. They are Christians. And Democrats don't see that. They're pushing everything but that. And they're putting them all in one bucket and saying, hey, you vote the same way. This is who you are. I mean, I've experienced it myself being a Black man as to how they view Black Americans. Oh, no, yeah. you guys are going to vote this way. Oh, you just vote for us and don't worry about it. They have voted for them consistently. And what have they done for that community? Absolutely yeah. nothing but defund the police, allow crime to take um, over the city. Um, it's like nonstop. And it's time for a change. And as you said, it feels as if though this is the time. And I just wished the GOP would get behind these candidates and support them more and say, hey, we've got your back. We've got your back. When you're going into these communities to talk, we got your back. We're going to give you the necessary funding. We're going to give you the support because you just can't do it by just going in and talking. It requires money. And if you have the message and if you can go the distance, then you go the distance and then you're reaching other people and people will come out to vote because they will say, this person looks like me. This person shares my values. That's right. That's and right. that's what we need. Spot on. Spot on. And I think it's almost like consumer products. Look, I studied economics. I've worked in corporate America for 20 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, looking at it from a consumer product perspective, whenever there's competition in the marketplace, you end up with better prices and better products, better quality of product. The same analogy applies to politics. Uh, when you have political parties that are competing uh, for uh, constituencies, uh, you end up with better political parties. And I think that the Democrats have taken Hispanics and African-Americans and other groups for granted. Uh, and I think until uh, and when we start to stand up and say, you know what, Democrats, uh, we're not going to play your game. Uh, we're going to demand answers from you. Uh, and, and we start infusing a competitive landscape 
for political parties, then I think uh, the Democratic Party is going to be responsive. Uh, but until that happens, uh, they are taking a lot of these demographics for granted. And it's a terrible uh, loss to a lot of these communities at the end of the day. But I, I can feel it. Uh, 2022, I think, is a point of inflection. And I think a lot of change is headed our way. Yeah, and Democrats and progressives in particular always act like they're for the lower class and middle class people. But as uh, Jack Guerrero uh, was saying earlier, that a lot of their policies actually hurt the lower class and middle class people the most, uh, the gas tax. And now Gavin Newsom's new radical electric car mandate where he plans to phase out gas cars by the year 2035. Um, I'd like to talk to Jack Guerrero about that when we come back. You're tuned in to After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you stream. Please like and subscribe. We're available Monday through Friday at 9 Eastern, 8 Central, or 6 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrew and special guest Jack Guerrero. You already know Genesis plus HOCL is your best defense against viruses. But did you also know it's the most powerful weapon for eliminating airborne mold too? Customers are raving about the Genesis Fogger's ability to tackle mold problems and the bad smells that go with them. And we all know mold is a hazard to your health. There's no airborne invader that Genesis can't handle. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. We're back here on After Dark with Rob and Andrew, and we've got on guest Jack Guerrero, who's running for California Treasure. And I'd mentioned before the break about this electric car mandate from Gavin Newsom, and they're saying that maybe a dozen more states might follow suit with this electric car mandate banning gas car sales past the year 2035. 
And uh, it was, we were just talking about how middle-class and lower-class people seem to be affected most by a lot of these uh, progressive policies. Uh, what kind of lower-class pe- person could afford a $70,000 Tesla or some of these prices of these electric cars is just outrageous. And now we've already seen California and several other states, they're having electric issues and uh, issues with the power grid. Uh, Jack, what are your thoughts on Gavin Newsom's uh, electric car mandate? You know, I think it just reflects how out Mm -hmm. of touch Mm -hmm. this multimillionaire guy uh, really is uh, when it comes to the struggles of ordinary people up and down the state. Also reminds me of Pete Buttigieg, uh, the Secretary of Transportation and one time a presidential candidate who was asked about electric cars, or actually he was asked about the gas prices being so out of control and so difficult for ordinary people to deal with. And his response was they should get electric cars. That's the solution to the high gas prices. I mean, somebody so out of touch. And I think Gavin Newsom is the a local example in California of that out of touch mentality from an ivory tower, uh, you know, very distanced from the ordinary lives of people in the state. This is the same guy that during the COVID lockdowns uh, was uh, found uh, dining and, and whining in um, a, a very uh, uh, lucrative, exclusive restaurant uh, with a $15,000 wine tab. Uh, and this was when all the restaurants in the state were on forced lockdown. And it was one of these examples of do as, you know, do, do uh, what we're, you're told to do, but, you know, give me the exception. And I think that that is uh, um, a, a terrible, uh, you know, mindset to govern from. And I think uh, the governor is completely uh, out of touch. I, I think this idea will fail. Uh, it is not a tenable idea. And we have so many other problems in the state of California that need to be addressed. Uh, I think this is in some ways a subterfuge. It's a way for uh, the governor to uh, gloss over um, other serious problems and promote uh, a woke agenda that puts him, uh, you know, a little closer to realizing his presidential ambitions. And make no mistake about it, they certainly exist. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm in opposition to all of these uh, uh, impractical ideas. Certainly, very impractical. And what is he planning on doing about the water crisis that's there or the homeless crisis? I I think it's a lot of talk. Um, Of course, Democrats like to throw money at problems. Uh, They think that they can fix a decrepit public education system by throwing money at labor unions. Uh, And I think that, uh, uh, you know, this is another example uh, as it relates to homelessness is, is more bureaucracy, more money, and it's almost always badly uh, distributed. Uh, In Los Angeles County, I can share an example of uh, a uh, homeless budget that was appropriated to housing. uh, And there was a development in Los Angeles that cost on average uh, about $800,000 per homeless unit. There are homes in my city uh, that uh, are a lot cheaper than that. Uh, It makes no sense to be spending almost a million dollars to house a single homeless person uh, in a structure uh, that uh, is uh, uh, rife rife with uh, with corruption, no doubt. I think the beneficiaries of a lot of these homelessness projects are developers, big money developers who are in the pocketbooks of uh, the politicians. Uh, And I think that that corruption manifests itself in programs like this. Feel good programs that are marketed in such a way, but behind the scene, when you look at the fine print, when you look at the details, uh, it almost always involves corruption. Uh, And the Los Angeles example for the homelessness response is a classic example. Share with me your thoughts about, you mentioned the schools. What's yeah. happening in the schools 
in California because Newsom seems to think that he has everything under control. But we're hearing from parents that they're pushing this radical agenda, transgender, CRT on kids. Kids are going to school and they're being told, hey, you can be a little girl or a little boy, but don't tell your parents. We're going to call you this at schools. How is this happening and more people aren't pushing back? Or could it be, Jack, that they're pushing back, but the media is trying to silence their voices and not wanting them to be heard? What are your thoughts? I think people are pushing back. Let me tell you a little bit about my city. Um, it's the city of Cudahy in Los Angeles County. It's about 98% Hispanic, mostly Spanish speaking, and about 90% Democrat. I am the only Republican elected official in my city representing constituents at any level of government. And in fact, I'm the only Republican elected official in a seven city radius. Okay, that's just to give you a little bit of perspective of uh, where I come from in this very broad a democratic stronghold. When I first became mayor of my city, one of the issues that I was facing was a very decrepit public education system. Uh, a number of elementary schools were failing the kids. Uh, something like 80% of the children could not read or write at basic grade level, uh, and uh, they could not perform basic arithmetic. To me, that is a civil rights injustice. When children cannot read or write uh, at 80% failure rate, uh, that is, is uh, just unconscionable. And uh, I was told at the time, Jack, you are a city council member, you are a mayor, you are not a school board member, stay away from the schools. And uh, uh, even though it was not within my formal jurisdiction, it was certainly within my moral obligation to get involved. And so I decided uh, to hold public hearings on the quality of education in my local city council chamber as part of a formal proceeding of the city council. And as mayor, I indicted the local schools within a forum uh, of an official government proceeding. And within a few days, I was summoned to Los Angeles Unified School District headquarters in downtown LA. I met with officials there. And within a few days after that, the principal of the troubled school that was the subject of the protest was removed and a lot of the administrators followed in short order. And that was one of the things I was very, very proud of. But it's an example of how in a democratic stronghold, in a city that is 90% Democrat and mostly working class and Spanish speaking and Hispanic, the people were able to rise up and say no to a woke agenda and a decrepit public education that was failing the kids. So when you mess with parents that are working class and you talk about uh, uh, the fate of their children, uh, I think you you create the, the perfect environment for reform and revolt and revolution. And I think that we experienced a small example of that in my city. And we certainly saw that in San Francisco when uh, there was a full recall that happened not too long ago. And I think that those are examples of uh, kind of the, the ripple effect that's happening. And it's, it's especially true uh, in the wake of, of the COVID environment, because we saw uh, the greatest uh, uh, differential between haves and have-nots in public education as a direct result of the COVID lockdowns. I mean, we have now the greatest achievement gap we have ever had, uh, the ramifications of which will be felt for at least another generation. Uh, and it's very sad. Uh, and I think for the first time in a long time, I think parents are realizing just how shortchanged they have become. Uh, you know, we spend more on education than just about every other state in the country, except for New York, Connecticut, and Washington, D.C. Uh, and we're averaging about $25,000 a year per student. 
Uh, I think that it is unconscionable that at that level of distribution, we have such failure across the state. I take it very personally. Uh, I'm a survivor of the public education system. Uh, my high school was ranked in the bottom 10% of public schools when I was going through the system. And I realized really early on as a ninth grader uh, that I was getting shortchanged. And I had no choice but to supplement my education by enrolling at the local community college and later at the state university. And it really is only through the grace of God at the end of the day that I survived and was able to go on to the Ivy League and, and have a, a good a professional career. Uh, but it was no thanks to a decrepit public education system that uh, still afflicts my region. And I think that that's low hanging fruit for Republicans. I don't think we as a party do a good enough job of raising awareness of uh, the decrepit public education, but I think parents now are realizing for themselves just how much the system is shortchanging uh, their kids. And so that's, again, part of that alignment of stars that I talked about at the outset uh, that I think are pointing towards reform in November. So why is it that you think that Californians are so against parents wanting their kids to go to private schools. Why? I mean, public school, I was, I'm, I'm a candidate of public schools. Okay. But I see what's happening now. Our kids are being taught everything except the basics. Yes. Now you have these politicians when you say, well, I want my child to go to a private school or a charter school. They push back, but yet their kids are going to private and That's charter right. schools. Why is that? Do you think? That's right. I mean, we're up against an establishment. I mean, entrenched political interests with a lot of money. Uh, I remember an instance in my own city where a charter school was uh, 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 applying to construct. They already had permission from the school board to do so in my city. Um, and so they were coming before the council on a land use request. So I had nothing to do with an evaluation on the quality of their education. This was just a petition to begin construction. And that alone was the source of so much division and protest. We had people from the teachers union basically show up at city council meetings and shut down the proceedings and protest and the most um, in your face kind of ways. And, and I realized, gosh, there are a lot of entrenched political interests that want to preserve the status quo. And it's really an, it, only until ordinary people and parents begin to organize and mobilize that we will be able to fight uh, a uh, Goliath of a foe in the establishment. Uh, let me tell you, there is a lot of money at stake for uh, unions and for political interests and for other special groups that uh, have a, a, a cozy relationship with the governor and with the establishment uh, political party. And, and so that's what we're up against. We're fighting a, a system that has been built over many years, uh, and it's going to take a little bit of time to undo that. Uh, uh, but again, I see the uh, uh, the conditions ripe for reform, and we see small victories up and down the state. Uh, look, parents, especially in my city, they don't have a lot of money. They're not politically savvy. They don't have the resources that the public unions have. And so we're really fighting an uphill battle in a lot of ways. But when the people organize and the people expand their numbers and their protests, we can do some amazing things. And just a small example of that happened in my city where parents organized and we were able to change the administration of one of the local schools. And it's something I'm really proud of, but it's an example more broadly of how we can achieve reform 
if people come together. And I think that's what's happening in the state. Do you have the support of the local GOP? Are they behind you? Are they pushing your candidacy? I think uh, ostensibly they are. I think on paper uh, they are. I've received uh, certainly the endorsement of the state party, uh, of the local uh, uh, parties, but most of my support uh, comes from conservative groups, from working class uh, families, uh, from constituents in my own city, uh, from uh, groups uh, up and down the state that care about reform. Uh, and so I, I wish I could tell you that the, the official party was uh, a little bit better organized and prepared to help candidates. Um, but I can tell you certainly that a lot of the grassroots, a lot of the activists, a lot of the, uh, the conservative uh, reformers uh, are doing uh, a good job with you know, the resources they have uh, to be helpful to my campaign. And so I'm, I'm very humbled for the approbation of so many people. Uh, and, and I do want to thank groups like the uh, California Republican Assembly and the Tea Party Caucus and, and other groups that, that uh, are not part of the establishment, but are solid conservative groups. Uh, I was speaking at a church uh, service today in Orange County, and I was just so humbled by the reception, by the warm welcome, by the prayers. Um, and these are ordinary people. You know, they're, they're not uh, politicians. They're not establishment people. They're just regular people. And I, I just feel uh, that uh, that's who I want to represent. I want to represent ordinary Americans, ordinary Californians. Uh, I don't work for the unions. I don't represent the special interests. I certainly don't represent uh, the political class, uh, which has morphed into a self-interested uh, body of, um, of, of individuals. Uh, and, and for me, it's all about ordinary people. And I think that that's uh, the direction of uh, the grassroots. Uh, and I think the establishment GOP uh, seems to be lagging a little bit and, and does a lot of catch up. But I'm hopeful that over time, uh, you know, the Republican Party will migrate away from establishment and really embrace, uh, uh, you know, a more populist movement of the people uh, to fight nefarious government that is so out of control and so dangerous to our future liberty. I agree with you 100%. The Republican Party has got to push away from the establishment and start looking at these young and up-and-coming candidates. Because as I said, we have had on our show so many up-and-coming candidates from California and in Texas that are saying, hey, we could do this. We just need for the party just to get behind us a little bit more and we could pull this off. And they've got to start looking at that because I'm listening to you and I'm telling you, you are the real deal. And we wish you all the luck in the world and winning this election. Thank you. Now, before we close, talk, tell us a little bit about your background and what you hope to do when you're elected. Certainly. Uh, I was born and raised in Southern California in Los Angeles County. My parents are immigrants uh, from Mexico. Uh, they settled in the Central Valley first in the 70s, uh, picking uh, uh, lettuce and tomato and uh, grapes uh, as, uh, as farm workers, they later upgraded their profession to become factory workers in Vernon, uh, which is an industrial corridor in Los Angeles County. They then settled in the city of Cudahy, which is where I was born and raised, a tough neighborhood, a lot of gangs and poverty and decrepit public schools. In some ways, uh, my experience um, is not all that unique. I think many of us uh, either come from humble beginnings ourselves or our parents or our grandparents. Uh, in a broader way, I think 
you know, there's an American theme here of improving your station in life uh, and realizing the American dream. And that's what I want to preserve for young people going forward, because I think the American dream that has worked for me is at risk. Uh, with a lot of these policies that are completely out of control. Uh, when I was in high school, I realized just how decrepit my high school was. As I mentioned, I had to supplement my education. I was able to graduate. I went to Harvard University and Stanford University to obtain degrees. I studied economics. I studied abroad as well at uh, Oxford University in the United Kingdom, uh, where I specialized in the history of economic thought. And to me, that was very eye-opening. I was introduced to the classical economists like Frederick von Hayek and Adam Smith and David Hume and David Ricardo and Milton Friedman and some of the more modernist uh, classical economists. And it opened my mind uh, to really the, um, the value of the free market and uh, the pernicious consequences of government meddling uh, with the affairs, uh, certainly on economic uh, uh, level, but also on uh, the way we conduct ourselves, uh, you know, and our families' lives uh, on a on a social level. And so, um, I've uh, realized just how pernicious the uh, impact of government can be. Um, I then ensued on a twenty-plus year career in finance and economics. I'm a certified public accountant. I've worked for large international accounting firms like Ernst and Young and KPMG and San Francisco. Los Angeles, I had a stint in London and in Zurich, Switzerland. So I know finance. I know finance very well. I'm an economist now for a large commercial bank. Uh, and so what I bring to the table is a combination of skill sets that are very applicable uh, for the role of treasurer. Uh, but beyond that, I think I bring a set of government experience uh, as a council member, as a mayor, as a board member to regional government organizations uh, where I have pushed the envelope and uh, questioned. Uh, the establishment and the way that uh, business as usual uh, conducts itself. Uh, I've uh, displayed that on, you know, by taking on the public education system. Uh, when I was first mayor, I called upon the California controller to uh, perform a forensic examination of my city's accounts. Um, I, as a CPA, I had performed my own investigation of the city's accounts and uh, came up with a 10-page summary of findings. And when the controller refused to do the audit that I was demanding, I went to the LA Times uh, in one of the rare cases of a favorable news article about a Republican. Uh, they published a story about my effort uh, and the controller then came knocking on the door and delivered the forensic examination that I needed uh, because I was seeking independent corroboration to justify the government reform measures that I was just about to unleash. And so I think what I bring to the table is competence uh, with respect to the discipline involved in the treasurer's position, but also I think an ethical disposition. And I tell people this, what you need in good leaders is somebody who's competent and somebody who's ethical and has integrity. Uh, and for me, those are important combinations. I know what I'm talking about when it comes to finance and economics, but I also want to do the right thing for the people. Uh, and I want to reel in the tentacles of an out-of-control government. And I tell you this, this is the promise I make to my constituents and to voters, is that if I observe anything by the legislature that is unethical, immoral, or illegal, or unconstitutional, I will stand up against that nefarious conduct and be a persistent thorn on the side of that left-wing establishment in ways that they have never experienced. I also intend to testify before every legislative committee hearing until the people in those committees, the legislators are sick of seeing my face. And so I bring that commitment to the table and I'm excited about this prospect and the approbation of the people and the excitement that I can see from the grassroots.
Thank you so much, Jack Guerrero. To support him, go to jackfortreasure.com. You know, I was thinking recently that I want to do a show soon about the Biden administration and its reckless spending. And uh, hopefully, uh, Jack, we can arrange with you to get you back on Absolutely. To, to talk about that. We would love to be able to have you on to talk about that. We're wishing you uh, the best of luck. Thank you so much for uh, to joining us tonight, Jack. We appreciate it. Uh, just a quick message from our sponsors. If you're looking for better sleep, focus, and energy, check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator of nutritional supplements for cell health. Healthy cell vitamins work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Absorb a healthier lifestyle with Healthy Cell's pill-free vitamins. You can go to HealthyCell.com, check out the great products, read the reviews, and save 20% off with the code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin Andrews. Are you tired of your tired vitamins? Consider Healthy Cell. These are pill-free vitamins that are in convenient gel packs. Uh, I like the Focus and Recall supplement. I use this a lot. You know, your brain uses a lot of energy and it depends on a variety of micronutrients and vitamins. Boost your short-term focus and long-term brain power with Healthy Cell's Focus and Recall Vitamins. So go to HealthyCell.com, use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, OUTLOUD for a 20% off your first order of any Healthy Cell product. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. In 2008, the amount of concentrated time people could spend on a task without becoming distracted was 12 seconds. Five years later, it was only eight seconds, one second less than a goldfish. If you find yourself always distracted or having trouble recalling information, you're likely to fall behind in the demanding, fast-paced 21st century. In other words, brain performance is more critical now than ever. Boost your brain power with Healthy Cells Focus Plus Recall. Science-backed nootropics to sharpen focus, concentrate longer, enhance recall, improve mental speed, learn rapidly, and be more alert. It's a pill-free brain supplement made with maximum absorption technology designed to feed our brains at the cellular level. Take it for a test drive. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Focus Plus Recall. That's HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 20% off. And we are back with the final half of After Dark with Robert Andrews. Thank you for tuning in. And I don't know if you missed the first two segments of the show, but we had on California treasure, Jack Guerrero running for California treasure. Uh, certainly wish him the best of luck. What a great guest, Rob. Uh, we're on quite the roll with uh, Pastor Green last night and then uh, Jack Guerrero uh, tonight. He was a great guest. And uh, as I mentioned, we do look forward to having him back on to talk about this Biden administration and the reckless spending. You know, Andrew, he was really impressive. Very impressive. And the thing that I thought that I found impressive about him is that he's the type of person, he and Ritesh Tandon, that the Democrats don't want to put out there because they're smart and they're accomplished. And Jack is from Mexico. Well, his parents are from Mexico. Okay. And Ritesh, India. They don't want that. Because they want you to think that these people are oppressed 
and Americans don't like them. And certainly Republicans don't like them, conservatives, but these are two conservative candidates that are running for office. I'm impressed with them. And we have had on other candidates running for office, other Hispanics running for office. Now, Ritesh is Indian. But the sure fact that they're not the typical candidates that the Democrats want to introduce you to and say, oh, no, we can't have them. Uh-uh, no, uh, no way. But I'm so impressed. And they know the issues. They understand their communities. They know what their communities are looking for. They know what their communities want. And what the communities want is family values. That's what they want. Family values. Okay, they don't want these handouts. Jack, graduate from Harvard. Pretty impressive. Now, of course, you've heard me. And st- oh, how can I forget that? <laughs> and and uh, Ritesh is getting ready to go to UC Berkeley because he's getting his PhD. Wow. Impressive, impressive candidates. But again, Democrats would tell you that these people are oppressed and that Republicans are holding them down. Meanwhile, they're giving away, they being the Democrats, you're giving away the kitchen sink and the bathtub to illegal aliens. They won't take care of Americans, but they will take care of illegal aliens. They're giving them free cell phones, free houses, free food, free health care. Now, how is it that you're going to vote for a party that cares very little about you? They don't care about you. But one thing they will do is that if you break the law, they will throw you in jail. And even if you don't break the law, if you don't agree with them, they will throw you in jail. But if you're an illegal alien, oh, come on over. I was just thinking the last week they were having the U.S. Opens here in New York City. And they wouldn't let in one of the top C tennis players. Why? Well, because he didn't take the vaccine. Djokovic. He didn't take the vaccine. Now, never mind you that the guy has already had COVID. And maybe I should remind you that Joe had COVID after taking all the vaccines and the boosters. And then his wife, she got it after taking all the vaccines and the boosters. Dr. Fraud got it after taking all the vaccines and the boosters. Kamala Harris got it after taking all the vaccines and the boosters. But you know what? Illegals, they can come across that border without taking any of the vaccines, without even taking the boosters. And who knows if they don't have COVID or not, because they're not being tested. But they're putting these people in your communities after telling you to stay inside, don't you go outside. After shutting down the schools, Andrew, did you see that the other night? Joe Biden wants to blame Trump. Says, that, oh, well, the Republicans and Trump, they want to shut down the schools. What? How they say that with a straight face is beyond me. It's like they were living in a different country uh, for the past few years. Well, how the media reports on it, well, I don't even want to say how they report on with, with the straight face because they've been lying. They lied about Russia collusion. They lied about all the impeachments. They're lying about the raid. Who's leaking to them all this information that they're getting out there? Merrick the Sup- Garland. Supreme Court leak. We still haven't gotten to the bottom. Still of. don't know who did who leaked uh, Alito's uh, memo. And people have forgotten about it. And that's what the media wants you to do. They want you to forget about it. Who leaked it? I have said before, John Roberts should be impeached. He needs to be moved out and put Clarence Thomas as the chief Supreme Court justice. 
But just going back here, I, I want to go back <laughs> because this is this is you cannot make this stuff up. They want to blame Donald Trump. But see, what happened is that a report was released saying that we lost 30 years of progress with the shutdowns. Trump said that he didn't want to shut the place down, the country down, but he went ahead and did it. Then he said, we got to get it open. And what did the left say? Oh, no, you want us to get COVID. You want us to get sick. You want us to die. And all while they were saying it, they kept running the death toll at the bottom of the screens. And Americans who weren't informed, they were fearful. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. No, you're not going to die. You're going to die from fear. You're going to die because it's your time to go. The people that were dying, they were dying because they weren't going in getting their routine checkups if they had diabetes. If they had to go in for chemo, they weren't going in because they were terrified. Now, of course, some did probably die from dying they had COVID, but COVID did not kill them. But we're finding out that on the death certificates, they were told, put COVID killed them. Why? Because they wanted to put a mark against Donald Trump. It's all about the hate for Donald Trump. These people will destroy this country for their hate for Donald Trump. That is the reason why I want him to run. People, oh, well, no, maybe he shouldn't run. He's too divisive. No, he should run so that he can show them, you tried to do it once, it probably was successful, but you couldn't do it twice. That is the reason why, because we have to stop these people in their dirty tracks. The fact that they're going to blame Trump for shutting down the schools, I mean, and Jean-Pierre Carine, she's just like, oh, no, the previous administration, we inherited a mess. No, you did not. How dare you say that? You inherited a great economy that was bouncing back from the shutdowns. You inherited a vaccine that Trump said, if you want to take it, you can. If you don't want to take it, you don't have to. You inherited an economy that was booming. And then you guys decided to fire people if they didn't want to take the vaccine after telling us that they were the healthcare workers, they were our frontline workers, and we need to treat them with respect. I mean, think about it, Andrew. We said that we should treat them with respect because they were going out to the hospitals. They were going to the face of danger, the police, the firemen. And then when they say, well, I don't want to take the vaccine, oh, fire them. We don't want them. Yeah. As I've mentioned before on this show, there was a sign that I saw around that time that was so uh, strong and poignant to me. And it said it was a healthcare worker outside of a hospital. And they had a sign that said, Last year's heroes, this year's unemployed, talking about how uh, the Biden administration yep. and other, other Democrats basically fired them after talking about for the whole year previously how they were heroes and they were risking their lives um, to help save the American people. And this is how the Biden administration and the Democrat governors uh, repay them. That's how they repay them by firing them and saying, oh, we're going to fire you and you can't get your money back. When Republicans take over in November, they should say we're going to hire all those people back and give them back pay because they should have never been fired. They should have never been fired. It's just unfortunate that we can't say the same thing for our schools. Republicans should be out front and center already running campaigns and saying, no, Joe Biden said that if we open up the schools that we're white supremacists and that we're racist, Joe said that. A lot of the folks on the left, a lot of those politicians said it, that if we open the schools, you're a racist because you want our kids to get sick. You want our teachers to get sick. And then teachers were afraid that the kids were going to give them the virus, so they didn't want to go to school. No, let's just stay at home. Let's stay at home and do remote learning. Meanwhile, the government gave them billions of dollars. What did they do with the money? I'll tell you what they did with the money. They were going to use that money for CRT. They're going to use that money for indoctrination. They're going to probably use that money to help your kid get a sex change. That's where the money went. Absolutely not. 
Trump didn't say shut the schools down. The fact that Gene can even say, and you know what's even sad about this, Andrew, is that you had Ragamuffin, what's her name, the first uh, uh, communication director. What was her Jen, Jen Jen Psaki. Psaki. Pepper, uh, Peppermint Patties. <laughs> Peppermint Patty and Pippi Long Stockings. She stepped down. How convenient and how timely. Now she's going to appear on uh, MSNBC eventually. But she stepped down before they could start questioning them on all this. And then they're going to prop up a Black woman who's incompetent, doesn't know what she's doing, doesn't know what she's saying. And we spoke about this on Monday Night Show fumbling over all of her words, she's going to come out with a half straight face and say, oh, this was a previous administration. They're responsible for the low test scores of our children. No, it is not. It was the Democrats. And you guys said that they were white supremacists. I mean, not, yeah, they were saying that the Republicans were white supremacists if they wanted the schools to be open. Yeah. And she's just so out of her league at that job. I mean, Jen Psaki was a much better liar than this uh, Karen Jean <laughs> Pierre is. I mean, this a woman, she looks like a deer in headlights uh, whenever they ask her a question. Uh, How are you going to pay for that student loan debt? And she just freezes up and doesn't know what to say. You almost feel bad for her. Uh, how much longer are you giving her, Rob? I'm saying by uh, Thanksgiving time, she'll be gone. Well, here's the thing. Well, she, and I would I want to correct it. I to me, she doesn't look like a deer in headlights. She looks like a raccoon in headlights. Uh, they would probably <laughs> drop her now if it wasn't for the woke crowd. Because of course, if they drop her, Joy Reid, Al Sharpton, and Tiffany, I can't think of her last name, they'll all come out, Jonathan Capehart, and attack the Biden administration for getting rid of her. You'll also have the LGBTQ ABC group saying, Oh, you got rid of the first gay woman. She's horrible. John Kirby should go ahead and assume the position. She is horrible. Horrible. I mean, that's an understatement. But yet and still, there she is, spewing lies. And like you said, uh, Jen Psaki was a much better liar. But we'll see her soon after Labor Day. I think she's going to appear on fake news, uh, PM, PMS NBC, spreading more, more lies, but just in time for the midterms so that she can convince people to vote for Joe. I mean, the fact that they're saying that Joe is doing all these great things is ridiculous. He's had no successes. He has failed. And then he came out with this doom and gloom hate speech. I wonder if Chris Wallace is going to say, well, that was the best speech he's ever given. Just like he said about the uh, inauguration speech. Oh, that was the best speech since JFK. Really? Chris, where have you been? In the excuses this media makes for uh, Joe Biden, it's just absolutely pathetic. I was watching um, NBC was on the television the other day at work, and I was watching it in the background, and they're saying, uh, oh, uh, this inflation is not Joe Biden's fault. You look at uh, Europe and the UK and France and Germany, they're all dealing with inflation. It's like they just make every excuse in the book for the guy. And when it was President Trump, each and every little thing was all his fault. The double standard is just so obvious for anyone to see. And uh, apparently CNN's trying to clean house. We haven't talked about them firing their White House reporter uh, right after getting rid of um, Humpty Dumpty Stelter. I'd like to see uh, Don Lemon and uh, Anderson Cooper go next. But do you have any uh, hope for uh, CNN uh, cleaning up, Rob? They should go next because they're horrible. I mean, as I said before in one of our previous shows, see, uh, 
what's his name? Anderson Cooper has been really low profile. Usually he's outspoken. He's talking about this and talking about that, but he's been quiet as of lately because I guess he wants to get out of the line of fire. Don Lemon, the same thing. They should fire them all. And not only that, Andrew, and I said this before, they need to fire, they need to fire the entire infrastructure. Because as I said about DC, I said that DC had a lot of swamp dwellers, that although you have a new administration, there are still civil service employees that are still working there. So they're going to do continue to do what they want to do, which is follow the wokeness. A lot of them are woke. So if you were to get a conservative in the White House and you still have those liberals behind, they're not going to push the policies through and they're going to leak everything just like we see them leaking when Trump was in office. This has to change. And I can't emphasize that enough. A lot of the stuff that is going on now in D.C. has to change. And I am so glad that we have up and coming candidates that I hope our listeners will go out and give a second look and vote for, because this is the only way we can make a difference. We need to start from the bottom and build up. And as Pastor Williams said, we need to do this in all four corners of the United States. We've just got to bring in more candidates have a platform, and then push it the same way they did the Tea Party. We have got to push it because our country is on dark, I think it's on, uh, you know, as I mentioned, slouching toward Gomorrah. We're falling down. We have fallen down. And it's time to get up and getting up fighting, Andrew. That is the only way we will be successful. Yeah, well said, Rob. Uh, once again, thank you to our guest tonight, Jack Guerrero. If you want to um, look into his campaign, go to jackfortreasure.com. We appreciate him coming on. And as we were talking about a moment ago, uh, CNN clearing house, it just makes sense. Why wouldn't you do it if you're fake news CNN? I mean, the ratings are in the tank. Um, if CNN was a small business, it would be out of business. I mean, Warner Brothers has been funding it. Uh, based off the money they make from other avenues. And CNN is currently a losing money project. So uh, yeah, why not just fire everyone, start from scratch? Because that's clearly what they need to do if they ever want to get any respectability or credibility back is they just got to fire everyone that's been involved with this terrible fake news network. Well, thank you all for joining us once again on After Dark with Rob and Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you stream. Please like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or go to AmericaOutloud.com where you can click the Listen Live tab or check out all the great articles and podcasts updated daily we'll see you guys next time and remember stand for something or fall for nothing